Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You ready? No. Yeah. It's my mate, Bot Toaster. Hello and welcome along. Today I'm joined by the fabulous comedian and presenter. And what else would you like on there, Steve? What else am I? Well, I did star in two episodes of Coronation Street. Hello. That was good. Oh, my God. By the way, were you in Secret Diary of a Call Girl? Yeah, listen, this is me. I'm, I'm interviewing you on this podcast. You can't come in with a question. I rewatched it over the pandemic. I don't know if we're still bringing that up. <laughs> but I saw you and you were like shirtless and yes, nudie. And I was like, s- I always wondered what it had looked like. <laughs> And now I know. Now you know. You've seen my sex face. What a job. What a job that was. That was a long, long time ago. And to be fair, I've talked about that before on this podcast. So I can't really go into it. I'll edit this bit out, guys. So listen, just so you know. Don't edit it out. This is the bit. I'll edit here and I'll come back and it'll be, you won't even notice we've gone away. Yes, I did it years ago. I had to get my ass out and everything. And I saw... I love Billy Piper. Um, all right, back on the show then. There we go. I've just told you some absolute gold there, Stephen Bailey. Uh, so, yes, anything else you want? I've got presenter, I've done stand-up comedian. I don't think we... I mean, I think that's enough. I mean, I don't actor. know what else I bring to the table. Yeah. So much, so much. Uh, we are going to dive into your purchase history because that's very much what we do on the podcast. Um, so I'm going back to 2005. Oh, okay, exciting. 17 years ago, my friend. Oh, my God. And uh, Well, nearly- done even knowing how to do that. Yes, I've got good at prodding my way through this app. It, I think it's it good that you did that because I think if you maybe check between, say, 2000, I don't know, 16-ish to like 2018-ish, yeah. I probably didn't buy anything. Oh, why? I no money? Know, I probably just t- t- took a sabbatical. I have a weird thing with the internet and putting my details into the internet and corruption and internet hacking. I have a whole weird thing about it. And also with these like delivery drivers, I probably shouldn't name them, but the ones where they say they're going to turn up and then they turn up a month later or they say they've been. Oh, that's the worst. never been. So yes. I don't want things delivered to me. I'd rather go to a shop. So hang on, when you say you have a thing, right, is that uh, you've got a, like an uh, anxiety about it or you've actually been hacked and you had experiences? Both. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. How bad was the hacking? Because some of the hacking stories, because I'm very lax, I get a notification every time I log in saying your password has been compromised, you need to change it. And I have, and if any hackers are listening, fill your boots. I've ignored it for two or three years now. I would change it. I had a hacker Mm. during the pandemic, the worst time I was trying to buy a house and um, apparently it was rife during the pandemic, you know, during the lockdowns, the hackers were making bank. Mm. And um, it was someone in France, no idea how, and they kept taking money and bits of money. And then the banks did what they did. You know, they refund you. The... And they said to me, it got to a point where they were like, the hacker is so advanced, he's overriding what we're doing. Whoa. So you might have to close your account. We're going to try one more thing. No. 
oh, you're going to have to close your... I've been with this bank since I was 16. Yeah. And luckily that one more thing worked. But it took... It was like six weeks. And you know, when you're living in a global crisis, yeah. you have nothing else to think about. And that's... You're trying to buy a house. Like, it was the most stressful thing. And then I was like, I've never had money in my whole life. And I finally got to a point of having money. Yeah. And... And now the French are nicking it. it. So Lacquer, obviously you need to be French to be a high-end hacker. And I have a degree in French. No. Yeah, we civvy. Such a good damn nightmare. Hang on, maybe you should uh, join the dots there. Surely there's someone who met you when you were at uni doing your degree. And mm. there's some connection there, Stephen. Think, I don't remember them. Think carefully. Um, all right, fine. Well, listen, any uh, Akers listening, leave him alone. Leave Bailey alone. We're going back now, uh, Stephen, to the 16th of October 2005. Oh, I wonder what I was doing in 2005. Well, I can tell you, uh, you bought book nine of the 75 Inspector Maigret books. The French oh, thing. The French thing. I would have been in, that would have been my final year at uni then. You see? Yeah, it would have been like uni literature. You see? What did I buy again? A Man's Head, it's a Maigret uh, novel. It's a, it's a French thriller, George Simenon. I've never read any of the Maigret novels. Of which, oh, I wonder if I did. Uh, well, no, that's always the first thing, isn't it? A book from years ago. Even if I read it, I'd struggle to remember it. But do you remember it? Or? No, I don't remember even buying it. Where did you do your French degree? Manchester. Okay, very nice. You are Manchester, aren't you? I'm Manchester through and through. I'm one of those people where, unfortunately, when I come to London, I'm like, I love this place. <laughs> that's where we are now and I'm not thrilled. But doesn't everyone feel that? A bit about London. I mean, I live here and I still walk around going, oh, God, oh, London. You live here? I live in London, yeah. Where you lived in Wales. No, I do I do my radio show on Radio Wales. Oh, my God, you're such a con artist. Why is that not going to a Welsh <laughs> person? Uh, I am a Welsh person. No, but like a proper one. That I have the decency to stay. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you bring up Billy Piper and then doubt my Welsh you, credentials? You're that person that's working class with a mansion. <laughs> Please, don't insult me. I'm not working class. I know you're not. Um, so uh, you did your French degree at Manchester. Is that where you grew up as well? In Manchester? Yeah. Okay. You, and you still live there now? Uh, I moved to London. Oh, and then I see. There we go. Oh, the real Mancunian. To further my career. Sure, sure, sure. But On behalf of the Manx. When I became a national treasure, I moved back. <laughs> you must be pleased, though, that um, like certainly compared to 15, 20 years ago, for example, when you bought this book. Is the... that how long that's been? Yeah. 2005 is not 15 years ago. 17 years oh. ago, Stephen. But there's so much more. Like, I don't t- look old enough. No, no. Tom. Sorry, sorry. He's already called me fat, dear listener. He, I, he said, what beverage would you like? And I was like, I'm going to have a full fat Coke. And he said, we have Coke Zero. That is as close as I would ever get to calling anyone fat. Yeah. Let alone you, who's clearly not fat. But if you keep going with fat. the Coke, just to be clear, when Stephen drinks a Coke Zero, the little finger, uh, a full fat Coke, the little finger goes up. It's delightful. Um, okay, fine. So uh, you're in Manchester, you're doing French, uh, but then you did move to London to further the career. But then because, as I was trying to say, Manchester's got so much more going on now. There's loads of TV and loads of media up there now. You can be anywhere and still have this career. But that's a false thing. Take me through. Go okay, on. so Go we on. do have locations up there, but they just ship everyone down from London. Like everything that is hosted up not. Like, for example, they film a comedy panel show up there, but they ship the comedians in, even though... And you never see any producers at, say, the Frog and Bucket trying to discover a new northern talent. No, Mm -hmm. the execs don't go past Zone 2, do they? The execs do not leave London 
and that for whatever reason don't want to work past seven. Mm, there you go. There you go. Execs, if you're listening, like they'd be listening. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right, fine. So we're in 2005. You're at uni. Um, what we, else did I buy? Well, we've got this totally charmed demons, white lighters, oh and God. the power of three. <laughs> this is from the Smart Pop series. I'm, I am a bit embarrassed, but only because it's not an official bit of charmed merch. This is unbelievable. Charmed. So I this really loved it. Is a book. And it's sort of, it's got like, a, it looks like a tabloid front page with totally charmed. Power of three can't vanquish clogged drain. The Hallowell's plumber tells all. Tell us about Charmed then, please. I love Charmed I can so see much. That. So why, how many things have I bought? No, just this book in itself. Oh. £4.37. Yeah, that's really. a lot for a student. 2005, mate. Um, Buy a house for that. So I love Charmed. Yep. TV series. Yep. Three powerful witches. Mm-hmm. Saved the world, but also believed in love, family and friendship. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I was one of them. Nice. And they're the reason I actually decided, them and Holly Willoughby are the reason I decided to follow my dreams and not just become a translator, which there's nothing wrong with being a translator. If anything, they'll be richer than we'll ever be. But it's the reason I was like, no, Stephen, go and find the razzle-dazzle. You were inspired by charm yeah. to go and... and hit this incredible media career that you've had. This. Yeah, well. Wow. So we've got charms to think. <laughs> but um, it's funny how shows like that have an impact. Like I love magic, I think, mm. because the world, I think, is actually quite sad if you look at it oh my God. properly. Uh, magic is the sand we can bury our heads in. Whereas if you look it through the, the I don't know, what's the word? Prism. The prism. I've been using prism a lot recently. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good one. If you look it through the prism of magic and anything Mm. is possible, if you just believe. Mm. Mm. That's good. Then you're going to have a nicer life. Because even if it is bullshit, what a nicer way of thinking. Yeah. You know, than your negative ways, Tom. And my negative ways, famously. Um, In a way, also, magic is nice because you can sort of. You know, if you don't, maybe you choose not to go for the religion element, but you still want something a bit ethereal. Also, lean on magic, lean hard on magic. I read something and I didn't think about it at the time, but I read something recently because I still love Charmed and I watch it. Whenever I feel a bit sad, I just go in and be like, oh, just watch a little ep. Yeah. And um, I watched one yesterday. I did. So, go I on. watched um, season six, episode Witchstock, where they go back to the 70s, where it was all like flower power and stuff, and they mm. meet their grandmother when she was younger. Anyway, um, what was my point about that? Oh, yeah, but I read this article about Charm where it was like a lot of gay men preferred Charmed to Buffy. Go on. Because of, one, obviously, like, the camp. Yeah. Two, the dress-up. But three, the things of going, like, you've got these adult women that are keeping a secret to protect themselves and stuff like that. They really okay. dig deep into it. I mean, I only, like, lightly read it, so I'm probably not doing it justice. <laughs> but I was like, oh, that's interesting read. But that would explain it. That's That's an interesting way into it. And a lot of... I know, like I speak to a lot of people and they're like, what is Charmed? Hmm. But then when you speak to the gays, everyone knows what Charmed is. And most have a favourite sister. What? There's another... I feel like that happened a bit with Doctor Who, didn't it? Or certainly with Torchwood. Well, Torchwood was very homosexual. Yeah. Spike from Buffy was in that. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, But it's interesting, isn't it, how... uh, so you didn't know that at the time. You just liked it. It wasn't like you watched it and thought... No, I didn't overthink it. But then when you think about it, you go... 
that explains it. And like Forbidden Love, that was the other thing because it was like Phoebe fell in love with a demon, Cole. Right. Two things there. Cole was really hot and they've had him shirtless often, so that's probably why gays liked it. But also Forbidden Love. Yes, yes. Excellent. It's good. It's good stuff. This this was the 90s. This was a different. Well, I mean, it was. This was two thousand and five when you bought this. When did when did Charmed first 98 drop? Ninety eight to two thousand and three. Have you thought about doing a podcast about Charmed, or does does several hundred already exist? I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Me and my friend were going to do a rewatch podcast, totally but then the Charmed ones themselves have done it, so um, we're not going to compete yeah. with that. They're going to get a lot of listeners. I need your finger, please. You've got to you've oh, got to reopen finger. your phone. I thought you were just giving it me back because you were Thank done. You. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much. That's how I would finish the podcast. I just he said you it your goes phone. up to an hour. <laughs> <laughs> We're into 2006 now, Stephen Bailey. Uh, we have got Sanctuary, uh, which is an album <laughs> by Simon Webb off of Blue, right? I've not bought that. Yeah, you have. Show me. Here you go, Simon There's Webb. There's no Sanctuary. way I bought that. Very that could much. have been a hacking scandal, that. this is Okay, so we're going to blame it on, on Pierre. Just so you know, if you are ever embarrassed by any of the purchases... I'm not embarrassed. There's a Hillary hacking. Duff one I can see. There you go. So Hillary Duff... I'm not embarrassed by that. Most wanted. If my listeners don't know who Hillary Duff is, come Which on, Which they're not going to. Well, let's let's do the Hillary Duff then, please. Hit me. Let the rain fall down and wake my dreams. Let it wash away my sanity. Because I want to feel the thunder. I want to scream. Let the rain fall. Did you ever watch Laguna Beach? No. It was the soundtrack to Laguna Beach. No, I want to watch it. Do you know... Oh, I don't know if I should tell you this. Come on. The first kind of like music concert I ever went to yeah. was Hillary Duff at the Manchester Arena. Factually correct. That's outstanding. How old were you when, when you went to I was Hillary like Duff? 18, 19. Me and my best friends Liz and Emily went and we took my sister because she was like the guys because she was only like, if I was 18, 19, she would have been 14-ish. Okay, okay. Were you, did you dance and sing along to every single word? The embarrassing thing was, I knew every single, I actually don't find this embarrassing. I felt this well-researched and the reason you should be into music. I knew every word. I knew the dance moves. Hillary didn't have a lot of dancing. So much so that the the young girls on the row in front of us watched me instead of Hill. I'm not even joking. Oh my God. Get Liz and Emily on the phone. I'm not even joking. Are you serious? So you had a little audience within the show? You were just the performer in you was very famous up and running, yeah. mate. Up and running. Um, what? But Hilary Duff, like, how did she get famous? What was her thing? What? She was Lizzie McGuire on Disney. Okay. Hey now, hey now. Yes, okay. This is what dreams are made of. I, and Disney yes. has a lot of issues with it, but what I think it is good at is it's make it makes you believe in dreams. And this is what we're coming back to: magic, dreams. You've got to have something nice to believe in, otherwise Do the reality. You believe of life... in life after love. Can you afford all this music? I mean, like I'm like I'm going to worry about that. Yeah. It's fine. It's a podcast. No, share isn't going to listen. You've got tens of listeners. It's fine. Those guys, as long as no one from PRS is listening. All right. Okay. Fine. So, uh, 2007 now, uh, Stephen. I um, feel like I didn't buy anything in 2007. What are you talking about? You bought uh, five objects over the year. What are you doing? Five objects over the year. Yeah. Let me think where I was. 2007. Yeah, 2000. So hold on. 98. 02. 04. So 04. Mm. I'd left college. So then 05 is year out. Six. Mm. Seven. I might have been second or third year. 
of degree here. Oh, right. So, okay. So we're still at university. You're still yeah. in the safe bubble. So the earlier ones might have been like tail end of college. Ah, uh, okay. Fine, And this would be like, this will either be my second year of unit or just as I was about to do my year abroad in Perpignan. Perpignan. Oh, it's nice. Perpignan is nice. It's gorgeous. Uh, I've got, I'll tell you where else is nice. Laguna Beach. Oh, I bet it was Perpignan then. Did I buy the DVDs? Laguna Beach on DVD. Yeah, I'm not opposed to this purchase. Now, come on, talk to me about Laguna Beach. Let's uh, tell us about this, please. Do you know what it is? I think it's a group of wealthy high school teens from Laguna Beach in California. I are you think. just reading the thing? No, off the top of my head, uh, their lives are almost too perfect to be real. Good looks, houses by the beach, even close relationships. Yeah. Hang on, is, is this um, reality, like scripted reality, or is it just uh, scripted? So this was one of the very first reality shows. Right. So it was one of the first ones after Real World. Yes, I loved Real World. I loved MTV's Real World. We had like Big Brother and stuff like that, but you didn't have the ones where you follow them. So this... Yep. Led to Lauren Conrad was on this, which led to MTV's hit show The Hills, which led to us ripping it off and doing Towie. Towie and that whole thing. Made in Chelsea. And this is how it all began. And again, this was another thing where it tied Charmed into it of going, well, this is destiny because Lauren Conrad became very well known for a period of time, Mm -hmm. really long time. And people loved her. And it was like, it was literally because our camera crew ended up at her school and she was selected to be on the show. She wasn't trying to be famous. Mm. So then you go, maybe I have no control over it, mm. any of it. But then what I also did was because it followed um, her journey from Laguna Beach to the hills and her fashion career. And obviously at the time we didn't know about constructed reality because it was one of the first ones. Yeah. So you literally believed it. But I think it was good at the time because I was, I'm the same age as Lauren Conrad, both born 86. Thank you. Okay. She's a few months older. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was really good to see young adults trying to navigate the world and do experience. And, and so, yes, they were rich, so it's slightly different. Yeah. But it wasn't kind of like when you watch The Real Housewives where it's wealth. It was kind of like they have a Mercedes and they can afford an apartment in Beverly Hills. But apart from that... That, but that's that's actually really interesting, isn't it? Because the Real Housewives thing, they've all they've all landed. They've got their they've, they've a, got their wealth. They've achieved. So yeah. let's just see them sort of, you know, like like pigs wallowing in the wealth. Yeah, fine, but not as interesting and not as. And it was interesting to see going. You know, the best friend Lauren, for example, started yeah. the hills with. I know that's Laguna Beach, sure. but the best fi- the best friend. They fell out and they never made friends again. But you do have friends like that where mm. they're your friends during your teenagers and then you never see them again. But that's why I loved watching The Real World back in the 90s because I'm a little bit older than you. Um, and, You're uh, a lot older. Six years. And I remember, but also spiritually, 20, 30 years older, um, I remember watching that and thinking, oh, look, this is what the next stage of my life is like. Yes. That's, I'd never put my finger on that before. That's exactly why we love certain bits of reality TV so even stuff like like TOWIE people are so dismissive of it but people have a, use that as a crutch because they want to watch people navigating problems which they're going to have in their life the problem is like, I actually narrate um, a reality show now I narrate Fern McCann first time up on ITVB oh God, you're so busy I'm really not I wish I was you're busier such a busy ITVB but I always say to the team on that one the reason I love it is because they pay you well that mm. but also it's very real still yeah so it's not, I think some of them you can really see, it, but it's like hers is, the sh- clues in the title, first time mum. It's about her being a first time mum. Yes, that's it. So exactly. You can, you can't script the four-year-old. So it's just her reacting to the four-year-old all the yeah. time. And so it's real. And I think other yeah. people can see in the show, like the times when I, I always think it's funny where you can tell she knows 
I'm meant to tell her off now because what she's done is naughty. Yeah. But she's got the giggles. <laughs> and I bet so many parents can exactly. relate to that. Yes. Where it's like, <laughs> I know I'm meant to tell her off. Yes. But it's really funny. But I'm not going to. And I think that's... But all those challenges. So if there was to be a, um, a reality TV show of, of Stephen Bailey, right? Bailey, what would you call it? Bailey back on the tracks. I'd narrate it, obviously. Mm. Um, Steven's in town for a podcast recording. He's missing Manchester. You know what I mean? Something like that. that no, that's, that's how I'd narrate it. Beige. Well, that's what I am. That's what I do. You make a lot of money being vanilla. Um, do you know how I would do my reality show if I did it? Well, what I want to know is, hang on, I do want to know that. But my question is, feed this question into your answer, please. What are the challenges that you, you would have and that would make people watch it and go, I really like Stephen because he deals with all these bits well. There you go. Oh, God. So, first of all, I want to call it Stephen Bailey Nation's Sweetheart. Oh, that's lovely. And it'd be the story. Or uh, I think it would be. Did you, have you ever seen Kathy Griffin, My Life on the D list? No. Okay, so comedian Kathy Griffin, and it was about her career essentially, where it was like, she's a. She's a name, but she's not a big enough name to keep going. So she's always having... So like one minute she's selling out Carnegie Hall, mm. the next minute she's performing at a meat raffle. Oh, God, yes. That kind oh, of thing. Oh, talk to me. Yeah, and so yeah, it was yeah. all kind of like that. And then... So I think mine would be like, A, the ultimate thing would be going to get to where you want to in your career. That's what it's about. How do I sell out the Apollo? How do I do that? Da, da, da. Yeah. And so it'd be the things on the way. But I think the things is that people would relate to, you know, like me and my boyfriend at the minute are talking about babies. Do we want them? Do we not want them? It's okay to not want them. Are we too selfish to want them? I think that's a fine... I think a lot of people have that conversation. Then if we are doing it, do we adopt? Do we surrogate? Do we foster? Yeah, yeah. Um, Then it's open conversation about that. Like, I always think about fostering as being like, well, then do you ever get attached to anything? Like, yes, you're doing a really good deed. Mm. But you've mm. only got them oh my God. for a short period of time. The people who do that have my infinite respect. Yeah, it's an incredible thing to do. And then, like, and I think it's. Just, I think we'd be a modern take on old reality shows and going. Everyone else is like, it's the series up until the wedding. Well, ours is like, we don't know if we want to get married because mm. what a waste of money, and mm. we're not religious, um, and explore stuff like that. And we're complete opposites. Like Rich definitely wants a kid. Yeah. I'm really nonplussed. So he's having to talk you into it, is he? Or I'm talking him out of it. Uh, interesting. So where yeah. are we at? But the I'm not what completely are the odds? Are they, over by the way, it. totally fascinating. Like, I want to watch that. Yeah. But I think it would be really interesting because I think that's what's going on in the real world. And I'm mm. actually, and I think the other thing is with TV, not reality shows, just everything, everything actually, not even TV. The world at the minute is too black or white. You're too this yeah. or you're too that. Yeah. There's no middle ground for grey or nuance. I'm saying you need to be beige and vanilla, mate. Join us. No, but I think the, I don't think it is being beige and vanilla. I think it's being all the colours of the rainbow. Yes, yeah, good, good. Because it's like I, for example, am like, I've never felt passionate about kids the way I have about buying a house. Because mm-hmm. to me, when I was growing up, we lived in a council estate, that didn't feel possible that I would ever own my own home. Yeah. I thought, oh, God, I'm just going to rent forever. I'll be Because I didn't know how I'd get the deposit together. No. And when you speak to a lot of people, where did they get the deposit Parents, from? always parents. parents. All middle class people just go, oh, you had this money? Oh, did you? You had the money? Yeah. Okay. So it's like we didn't have parents. And when our grand died, we got like 300 quid each. But we felt that was fucking loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only when I moved to London, I was like, you got a deposit for a house of your dead gran. Yeah. yeah everything you say is absolutely spot on. Uh, I'm really, really interested in the kid thing as well, especially because um, for us, when we decided to have kids, I wasn't really that. I wasn't really that into it. Was it an accident? No, it wasn't an accident, but it was a case of, again, 
um, everyone else was doing it. Everyone else was coming up with kids. We just sort of tried a bit and it sort of happened. But it's a different thing for, for you to take that on. It's a much more active decision for you. Yeah. Rather than us kind of, you know, we were in the slipstream of, a, of an obvious path. And for same-sex couples, it's still not necessarily an obvious path. Well, also, it's, it's like you grow up being told you should have a house, a mm. wife and kids. That's what we grew up with in the 90s and earlier if you're you. <laughs> um, so it was like, so you grow up with that thought process. But then it was like, and then you come out as gay. Yeah. And don't forget, we're further ahead now. But when I came out as gay, there wasn't all these conversations around like, and you can have a family and you can have kids. It was like, when I came out as gay, it was just like accepted. Only just being like, oh, it's fine that people are gay nowadays. But let's remember, for the whole of the 90s, you weren't allowed to talk about being gay. And let alone the idea of having a mainstream conversation about having kids. I mean, people still, you know, when Elton John and David Furnish did it, that was, you'd, you'd, you know, you'd think they'd just done something unbelievably out of this world when uh, Tom Daly and his partner have recently mm-hmm. done it people still kick up a stink about it So people kick up a stink about it as well. and also it's that I always think is going I don't this is what I think I have trouble with I don't want to do it just because you can do it interesting right yes yes I want to do it because I want right to do reasons. it now on the flip side of that never had any interest never bothered never was a part of the plan then got with Rich and I thought okay we're probably going to be together forever so then you start thinking, be like, would I get married? Mm, <laughs> I do this, da, da, da. And then you go, and then my sister had her first baby, so my first nephew, uh-huh. and then I love him so much. Oh, hello, there you go. So then I go, so that's Pete the interest, but at the same time, at the flip side, I like my life, how it is, and the issue is my boyfriend, so does he. So I'm like, the issue is, is going, like, my boyfriend's on holiday at the minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously not. What would happen if you? So had a he kid just right like now? he was just like, do you know what? I start a new job. I'm gonna go on holiday. Then he said to me, do you want to come? I was gonna go, but then this I podcast came go. in, so you've got to do this. Well, obviously. exactly. I had some commitments, and then I had, and then the day I was gonna fly out was the Queen's funeral. Oh, so course, yes, 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 yes. and there's no point in me going for two days. Yeah. And so, but it's like you can't just decide three weeks in advance before you start a new job. Oh, no. I'm going to go on holiday now. Yeah, you're absolutely... Everything is microscopically planned months and months and months in advance. And I think everyone needs to think properly about that. Unless, you know, especially yes, from our point stop, of view. The problem with that is that then there's a danger that you stop doing it because of that sort of... If you overthink the practicalities, you switch off the emotions and sometimes you just have to make an emotional judgment on it. And except that, like, yeah, we threw a hand grenade into our lives. That's what you do when you yeah. have kids. And you literally will spend the rest of your... Time. You just walk. I mean, still now we're just walking through the wreckage of a really nice time that we had in our <laughs> early thirties. But at the same time, the best times we've had the best possible times in the last decade. Well, I wanted a puppy, and Rich said to me, "They'll ruin the sofa. They're mm. too expensive, and you can't leave it on its own for too long." And I feel like babies will ruin the sofa. Yeah, they're too expensive, <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. you can't leave them on their own for too long. Yeah, you definitely take the same boxes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And babies also live a lot longer than 12 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah. That's the other thing to consider yeah. as well. That's a lifetime And commitment. if I'm anything to go by, I'm 36 and my mum still is my mummy. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I'm like, do you know how you wash this shirt? <laughs> it's got strange instructions. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We're moving on now. Uh, we're going to skip on ahead to 2010. Okay. Okay. You happy with that? Three things. I mean, again, 2010, this is... 2010, where was that? I think I just moved to London. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if there was something maybe... Yeah, go on. Comedic. Well, no, actually. You've only bought three things. You bought what would I have bought in two seasons of The Hills? <laughs> well, we've done that conversation. Done that, exactly, and that's why the silence was there. Let's see above, guys. See above. See above. And then uh, Sweet Little Lies, an L.A. candy novel by Lauren Conrad. <laughs> There's a lot of Americana in your stuff. And also, what is L.A. candy? Well, L.A. candy is the first novel from Lauren Conrad, star of The Hills. Oh, my God. <laughs> she became a novelist. You really go, when you go for something, you go for something. And I still love Lauren. Yeah, and I still love Hillary. But this is interesting, isn't it? Like, uh, you like you like a, you like an idol. You like having someone who you can like, you know, worship and buy all the stuff and you know follow all their Do stuff. Know, I am I'm growing my hair at the minute because I want to have a new style for the Attitude Awards. Good, and good. I messaged my hairdresser and he said, "What colour should we do at this time?" Because I changed my colour a lot, which yeah. Jimmy Carr says you shouldn't do. But fuck that. Why? Because it's bad for your hair. No, because it's like your branding. People need to know who you are when God, they think about you. Either the ginger one, or you the blonde one, or you the curly head one, or you the straight head one. I'm like, it's bloody hair. Yeah. But he's right. He's right. Jimmy Carr's always yeah. right. Yeah. But he didn't say it to me. I've heard that secondhand. But um, I sent my hairdresser a picture of Lauren Conrad because I was like, I want this colour blonde. Uh, there you go. See, yeah. constant inspiration. Yeah. All right. So uh, obviously we've established that you like the hills. You like uh, Lauren Conrad's. Conrad. Okay, this is great. This is 2010. Um, we're going to skip on ahead then. We'll go into 2011, see what we can find in 2011. 2011 is the year I started comedy, so that would be interesting if there's something comedic there. Well, I can tell that because you're completely broken. You've only bought one thing. What have I bought? Uh, you have bought Kathy Griffin. There you go. Um, official book club selection. Official book club selection. A memoir, according to have Kathy Have you ever Griffin. read it? No, but I want to. This looks brilliant. She's got four, it's got very high reviews. Um, talk it, to me. It is. So... Okay. Yeah. 2011 was the year I started comedy. Okay. I moved to London in 2009. Yeah. I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I worked as a runner in TV. Okay. And um, I was always like, this isn't what, like, I want to be Holly Willoughby. I want to be in Girls Aloud. Like, I want to be Lauren Conrad. Like, I didn't move here to be a runner in TV. Do you know? But we were mate, meeting loads of celebrities. Yes. And I was a runner. Do you remember on T4, on yes. Channel 4? Yes. Um, so I was a runner on that. And they were screen testing new presenters. Hello. So I was like the funny one in the office. So they were like, you should have a go. So I did. And I didn't get the job. But they said, actually, you were very 
funny and charismatic, but you need mm. to learn to look in the camera. Like, have you ever performed? Oh, the old eye contact. And I was like, well, I've never performed. I've never been in front of a camera or anything like so that. So had you done any theatre or anything at school? Nothing, or none of that stuff? Nothing, oh my God. Apart no. from, obviously, there was that concert where you danced and the people in front of you watched Oh, yeah, you. yeah. But that wasn't like my performance. That was just like me. You know? mm-hmm. I didn't, well, I didn't enter. The school bully made me enter the talent show. Interesting. <laughs> As his co Wow, cohort. Oh yeah, right. Debbie McGee is Paul Daniels. The bully, terrifying, terrifying. Everyone was scared of him. Yeah, I'm not even making this up. He did Aqua Barbie Girl in the dance show. He was Barbie Girl. He made me be Ken. Wow. But he was heterosexual. Mm -hmm, Sure. No joke. Bumped him to him in a gay bar years later. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. I love when stereotypes are real. You must have been... When you saw him in that bar, you must have been like, I fucking knew it. Yeah. I fucking knew it. That explains everything. And was he like, yeah, yeah, of course. He was basically just like, hey, I think he tried to get off of me, but he had brown teeth, so I wasn't interested. Mm. Um, And then... What was the point about that? Oh, yeah. So I never performed. I never performed. And so so then the guy's like, you've got something because you've got a natural personality and you've got natural warmth and not many people do have that. And that's really difficult. There's loads of people who can make funny jokes, loads of people who can act, loads of people, but having the natural funny warmth. They said you don't have the confidence. Mm. And I was like, I think I'm quite confident. And they were like, no, but to like stand in a room, everyone be quiet and you talk down a barrel of lens, you didn't have the confidence to do that. Right. So you should think about it. And they said to me, and I remember this conversation, plays day, they went, you should go and do stand-up comedy. And I went, fuck that. You should go and do stand-up comedy. I'm not going to do that. And I remember like ranting out of thing, being like, I'm not going to do stand-up fucking comedy. I went up to the receptionist. I was like, they told me I should do that fucking stand-up comedy. <laughs> and I had a rant about it for like a week. And I was working on um, the right stuff on Channel 5 at the time. Mm. And I remember the next day, saying to my friend, they told me I should, T4 told me I should do fucking stand-up comedy. I don't want to do stand-up comedy, Matthew. And he was like, well, you are funny. And th- so, so you said that to Matthew Wright. Yeah. So is it? Have we got Matthew Wright to thank for the career of Stephen Bailey? This is a remarkable oh, exclusive. De- depends if, uh, or indeed, write letters too. Depends, yeah. I never liked you in the first place, Wright. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, and so then I didn't really know what to do because I genuinely wasn't interested in it. I never. I don't know about. Did you watch comedy before you did comedy? Yeah, but in a kind of I watched Partridge and Blackadder and stuff like that. But I was never an obsessive like a lot of people. So I never watched anything like I'd see like. Absolutely fabulous and things like that, but I I didn't even associate them as comedies really. I was just like they're TV shows, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Um, so I didn't really know where to start. So I did a little, a little bit of googling, and um, City Academy had a a comedy writing course on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Excellent. And who was that? Logan Murray who taught no, that? No, Kate Smurthway. Oh, Smurthway. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. at the end of that, we had to do a gig. Yes. Even though it was a writing course, mm. but um. The gig went well, and then she'd invited a few people down with that open mind bookers, so we got some other gigs. But I was really nonplussed by it. I would say my first year I did about eight gigs. Wow. I just wasn't bothered by it. I was like, I'll do it when I'm free. Like, yeah. it was really a hobby. Yeah. But that's how, famously, people like Jimmy Carr, they're always like, you've got to do eight gigs a day. Yeah. If you want to get on, you've got to just crack on and do it. And so that was in 2011. Then in 2012, I'd really got overworking behind the scenes TV. So then I upped my game a bit in comedy to be like... Money. Incentive. Get out, yeah. That's what we need money for, right? That's the ultimate incentive. And so 2012 is when it really kicked off for you with the stand-up. Well, I started in 2011, but 2012 is when I started bothering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, But then Kathy Griffin was... When I was like... Because... Everyone I was around when I was starting out had these people that they were like massive fans of. Yeah. You know, like 
I want to be the next. Everyone always says the same ones as well. Like, who do they say? Oh, there's, I mean. Like the League of Gentlemen kind yeah, of Le- people. Yeah, it was League of Gentlemen. And then everyone wanted to be uh, Daniel Kitson. Or oh, Eddie Izzard. Then Daniel Kitson. Eddie Izzard, Daniel Kitson. And, then, and like everyone a... always says surnames. Everyone's always like, Izzard, yeah, yeah. Kitson. I'm like, get a grip, <laughs> Acaster. Damn it. Oh, yeah, God, Acaster is the one now, Fucking isn't it? Fucking hell. <laughs> and then, so there was all like that. And then I was like, I literally don't like anyone. But I used to watch Chelsea Lately on E. Mm. I didn't know she was a comedian. I thought she was a presenter. But then I did my natural thing where fell in love with her like I fell in love with Lauren Conrad. So then I found out she was a comedian, found out her stuff. Through her, I found Kathy Griffin. Uh-huh. And I found My Life on the D-List, which was her reality show. And that was really funny. Yeah. Kathy had stand-up specials. I read, and so then obviously I got the book when I found out there was a book. Yes. And in the book, you know, Kathy had started when she was 19 and she didn't get her break until she was 36. Oh, thank God. But it was oh. quite an interesting read yeah. And I've read it. I've ruined that book. It's fallen apart because I've read it so many times. Every time you think I'm plateauing or I'm not going anywhere, mm. duh, 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 I read the book. You go, why? Because of it's sort of never give upness. That's the vibe. Yeah, and it was or... a, her tenacity. She took every gig. She took every and um. Yeah. Without a pause for emotion. No, I just I was trying to just think. I think think going like she was just kept going, kept going, kept going. Yeah. And um, I was thinking because I've always had one. I've been like. I'm the only person that earns my money. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't borrow a hundred quid off my mum and dad. Mm. They don't have it. Yeah. So I was always very wet. So it was like, for the first, I did not quit my job until 2016. So I couldn't afford to. Yeah. So comedy always took a backseat until 2016 because yeah. it was like, you don't pay my bills. So I remember people used to get like mad if you were like pull out and it's like, yeah, but I've got to be here 12 hours a day. Yeah. You've got 15 comedians on doing five minutes for free. One, I don't affect your show. Yeah. And two, if I do affect your show, you should pay me then and guarantee to show up. Yes. It's absolutely spot on. That's number of people, business. And the number of people as well, and it's hard for me because I, I'm the absolute definition of this, who, and for me, it was in the noughties, I would float along with gigs because I would, you know, I could borrow, I could borrow money off my mind. That middle class thing of saying, I don't need to get a job just yet. Yeah. Changes completely, which is why comedy especially becomes so so full of uh, the same sort of middle-class people. And they do a lot of toxic things, I think, as well in this industry. Yeah. Where it's like, let's name the hardest working community. And it's like, well, how are you measuring it? Because I remember yeah. they, they used to pick people going, he did two gigs a night, three nights a week. And I'd be going, well, I'd work 12-hour days, Monday to Saturday. What were you doing? What job were you doing then? So, I, I mean, TV. I stayed worked in TV. So it was okay. like, if we were in a production, oh, that's that impo- took I mean, precedent. Of course so it did. you're not doing anything or... The, but whatever it was, like the job always took precedent. If it's that one minute your phone rings at six yeah. with that one last job, it's like, oh, I'm oh God, not you must have been terrible for, for you to make that leap. Because I think if you was really, really successful for quite a while now, for you to make that leap in 2016, what was it that made you go, fine, I can give up TV now, I'm earning enough? Well, it wasn't a leap, as you say. Mm-hmm. It was a little jump. So at the start of 2016, I was very lucky because my boss liked me and I liked her. Mm-hmm. And she allowed me to go part-time and look after the edit suites, okay. which meant you needed to kind of be contactable, but it was a lot more paperwork-based jobs. Yeah. So they were like, do mornings. It wasn't crazy hours of being so on the, the phone. It wasn't the crazy hours anymore. Things are going wrong. Yeah. Putting out fires. And um, so it was a bit more like that. So I was able to go down a little bit. And then, so it was like I was a part-time comedian and part-time that which yeah. I had a full-time wage yep. and then the, when I was able to fully quit was Catherine Ryan invited me on tour with her 
Oh, well done, Catherine Ryan. Yeah. So Matthew Wright and Catherine Ryan, really. Yeah. They're the ones we... Definitely Catherine. Blame slash applaud. Yeah. Love Catherine Ryan. Um, listen, uh, 2016 then. We're going to go to 2016. Oh, God. When was that? Bought... Well, that's when I went full time. There you go, yeah. there you go. Uh, you bought Danielle Steele's The Ring. Tell us about I The Ring. I did buy that. I, mm. s- I don't know why I Novel. bought that either. Mm. Well, at least you're admitting to buying it this time. As I might have ordered on. it for my mum if she was like going on holiday and was like, oh, we ordered this book off the internet. Nice. I've never read Danielle Steele. Right. Okay. So we assume this is for this is for mum. Yeah. Okay. Fine. 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 Um, and you've also bought Kathy Griffin's um, Celebrity Run-ins. <laughs> oh yeah, that was her next book. There you go. I've I'll... never I've never heard of Kathy Griffin. I feel I'm getting an education. The here. first book I would definitely recommend yeah, yeah, to yeah. any comedian. Great. I feel like it's like a bible of I'm just doing being it. like because she was also saying about the things where it's like people started after her went ahead of her I people that start this because she. Was it the same, like, kind of the Groundlings? You heard of the Groundlings, the yeah. acting school thing, yeah. as Lisa Kudrow? And she, she did okay. She did okay. But Kathy, yeah. Lisa Kudrow and someone else, they were like the th- final three where they were like, we just can't get a break. Oh. We've all been at the school. Everyone else gone off to SNL, yes. this, that, whatever. Yes. They couldn't get a break. And they all three of them auditioned for Phoebe. And she was like, and then you have Lisa Kudrow do that. And you're like, it was so, yeah. But that is, the, that is the thing we choose. It comes back to what we were talking about earlier on with having the magic and the dream. The the downside of that, I guess, to uh, slightly harvest that quote about grief is the price you pay for love. Uh, sort of failure and not quite making it is the price you pay for doing this whole career and doing anything competitive. Well, the opposite of a dream is a nightmare. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I mean, is that yours? That's mine. You should get that. Yeah. You should get that. On a T-shirt. Copywritten as soon as possible. Here we go. We're going in 2017 now. Um, I feel like this one I had a break. Look, listen. All you bought is you bought one thing. Go on. 20th of February 2017. Real Techniques Core Collection Kit. Oh, makeup brushes. It's makeup brushes. That was would have been because. Um, I would say actually around that time was when I started feeling brave enough to wear makeup on stage. Oh, and I only wear okay. a basic face, like. Yeah. But obviously, it's always like makeups for girls and da 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 da. Yeah. And but it was at that point I was like, fuck that, I want to look good on stage. So I got, I bought, um, I have this makeup artist I use called Nicole. Uh-huh. Um, whenever I'm allowed to pick a makeup artist, I always pick her. But there's times, obviously, when we're just doing gigs and things like that. And I was opening for Catherine, who always looks beautiful. Yes. And I was like, well, I want to look amazing as well. And so Nicole taught me how to do my own face, the way she did it. And she bought me the brushes. Oh. Well, she didn't buy them, but she told me which brushes to buy. Um, and was that quite a liberating thing then, to be able to go on stage with makeup on and feel? Because you've got to feel really good about yourself. Yeah. This is why you've got to wear good clothes when you go on stage and Well, feel... I always say, if you went and saw Little Mix or Girls Aloud and they just went on in jeans and a T-shirt, air mm. shoved up, you'd be pissed off. It's mm. all part of the package is what they're going to be wearing, what they're going to look like, does it? Mm. And I feel like just because we're comedians, that means we should be skanky. But also just because we're men, we shouldn't, doesn't mean we, we, sh- we can't wear makeup. We yeah, makeup. we should cover the spot on our nose as well. Oh my God. Right. The part of my brain that makes spots is connected to the part of my brain that gets work. Yeah. I swear to God, my forehead is an arsehole. My forehead, when it knows there's gigs coming up, it does horrendous things. So you're looking quite clear right now. <laughs> Absolutely. If you see me and I'm, I've got a good complexion. If, He's if you're unemployed. Listening. Oliver, my agent, if you're listening, you need to get my forehead spotty as soon as possible. So 2021, there's a few bits and bobs. Um, What's 2021 then? Well, 2021, you have bought 
Oh, look. You've bought a look. The the domesticity here. Oh, I think I know what I bought on 2021. Let me tell you. Did I buy an Audi? We'll get to that. You've bought a radiator cover. A, a radiator cabinet. I bought a house. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Look at that. This is so showbiz. I love this. So you bought the house. Yeah. In 2021 in Manchester? Yeah. Okay. And um, 2020 I bought it. Okay. Okay. And then uh, why did you buy a, a cover for the radiator? Just to make it look, look nicer. Nice. 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 And does it look good? Is it good? Yeah. It's gorgeous. Got like a little mirror of it. Oh, nice. Are you, pictures. Are you very, uh, do you have a lot of home pride? Are you very kind of just Yeah, so? I'm very, you can tell we grew up with nothing because like my boyfriend, his house is like a shit tip. I love you, Rich. <laughs> but he never puts anything away. Um, and uh, my house, it's immaculate. It's like everything has a place. Uh-huh. Like we painted it ourselves. And when summer comes, I'm going to get professionally painted because I can't bear it. I want it to look like, do you know when, Real painters doing it. it looks like paper, but it's not. It's oh like, yeah, I want it to look like that. That's sort of yeah. what is it like matte? Don't know what it effect. is. Do you get that a lot? Where you sit there and look at your house and you're like, I have done some showing off for money, and now I have this. It must be quite satisfying. I'll tell you what it is. It's the first time, probably since about 2010, mm. so ten years, where I felt like safe and secure and settled and it's done wonders for my anxiety because even if you have the things going if the boiler goes oh fucking shit that's not cheap or, no, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you have those things to worry about yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's like I feel like I have a home rather than just like right well I can't afford to live in this one anymore so we need to find a cheap one yeah, you know yeah, like yeah, 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 how it is yeah. when you're renting you're in London or you can't get anything sorted mm, and mm. Um, safety just like a feel rock safe yeah I feel like and it, what's nice about it is going because I was like I wonder if I'll be scared what, buying a house? But not just buying a house, but like being in it and yeah, um, stuff like that. Because that's my house, me and Rich own separately. Right. Um, and I was like, I wonder if I... But I feel like when I'm at my mum's, you know, just that nice safety thing. Like, I love being there. Yeah. Can't wait to get back there. I will always drive back through the night after a gig if I can to yeah. go just to be home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a home. It's boss. all about going home. Oh my God, it's the best thing in the world. Don't we all just want to go home? All we want to do is go home. Yeah. That's all. Let's click our heels and go there at once. There's um, no place. Also, I'm I'm a, I'm approving of the radiator cover because radiators are very ugly. I'm amazed radiators, radiators have got away with it for this long. I only have it in the lounge. Everywhere else, like, they can mm. be out, but... They're big wall scars. They look horrendous. And also, it just... Because of where my radiator is, it's about where, where you've got your sofa and the TV and da-da. Yeah. It's like, it's just there. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, so it's got to look cupboarded up. Yeah. And like, still kicking off some heat, though, obviously. Loads of heat. Yeah, not that it'll be doing that this winter. We're not going to put our heating on That's this why I didn't get a radiator cover until the year after I moved in, because I had to get new radiators. And I moved in in November, mm. so I couldn't get my new radiators done until June. Of course, of course. The admin of radiators, Stephen. Yeah. It's endless. I mean, this is the other thing that's nice about having a house. It's something to do. You ne- you're never going to be bored. That was the blessing of buying a house during the pandemic. Yeah, was having the time to get it how you wanted it. Yeah, 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 exactly. The painting, spending a lot of time in there. Um, you also bought. I mean, you can tell you're doing really well here. You've bought yourself an Audi, which is sure. mate. Just uh, any other comics listening, this is how well Stephen Bailey's doing. He bought it outright. Um, it is a 12 volt rechargeable battery. 
ride on car with a remote. This is this is either for you uh, to commute to your gigs in Manchester, or it's a present for a kid. It's for my nephew, sweetheart. It's gorgeous. I was like, I'm going to get him an Audi because I think someone in our family should own one. <laughs> that was literally it. He just wanted to see a Bailey yeah. in an Audi. <laughs> Um, finally, uh, Stephen Bailey, we're in 2022 now, um, and you have bought uh, two th- two main things to really dwell on here in 2022. Uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, Delia Owens, yeah. recently released as a movie. I've not seen the movie, but I have read this book. That book is the most exceptional book I have ever read. The long... I'm not going to see the film. No. It's, I, I'm not sure. The book is too good to have it ruined. The reviews of the movie are excellent, but I, I feel the same way. I love the I love the book so much. But what's really interesting about the book, the thing which I loved about it, was the child by herself. No spoilers. In that sort of, not in a wilderness because it's marsh. A, in that marsh, yeah. Like I don't know something about a kid by itself. I really related to that, and I remember a lot of time when I was alone as a kid and stuff like that. There's a lot in there to unpack. Yeah. Well, I, I actually. So the reason I bought the book was because I'd read the book, loved the book, dog-eared the book, mm. but then I got booked on a TV show to talk about the book. And I, th- I thought, uh, I can't go on with one that looks like... Yeah, you can. That, that shows that you've loved it and read it. And uh, I know, but it also looks like you're skanking. No one would ever lend you a book if they wait, if they see the way you treat them. Interesting. So I was like, no, no, no. So I thought, for the sake of like, what, six quid or something, I'll buy mm. it again. And um, Charge it back to the TV company, of course. <laughs> and... um. What I love the most about it is because I felt the past couple of years, it's like I said earlier, it's going with this or with that. So it's like, you're the gay one. So of course that means I'm camp, I'm fluff. I obviously have no depth. I obviously have no interest in politics. And we all know that's not true, but people can't bear to put you in a box. So it's like, you know, of course I do dick jokes on a Friday night at the boat show. Yeah. In London, 10pm, closing the show. But at the same time, if you're doing a Sunday afternoon show at three... You're not doing dick jokes, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. people can't put their head around that you can be more than one thing because we've got ourselves to be like, you're the woman, you're the older woman, yeah. you're the younger woman, you're the northern one. But it comes back to the hair thing. You got the, the blonde. You got the blonde hair guy, and you don't want to. You've never wanted that. You don't no. want people to. No. I just think we've all got more depth, and mm. it's our job to. I think social media is quite bad for this, and where it's kind of ruined conversations going. We're all more than one thing. We're all we've all got layers yeah. that need unpicking that make us all very, very interesting. Like people are always shocked that I'm a black belt in Taekwondo. And it's like, but you're only shocked because oh. of the box you put me in. Yes. There's actually nothing shocking about that. No, why would you not be? Like But realistically, there's nothing shocking about it. Anyone could be a black belt if you went and did Taekwondo. But you're people are already thinking of a whole load of stereotypes with you. And yeah, they wouldn't Because of that, that one box. God, that's so true. And that's what I liked about this book. What I heavily related to is going, they were the marsh, like this is the marsh girl. So they all, she was the outsider because other people made her the outsider because they didn't see this child that was alone in the marsh that had been abandoned by her family. We as the town, as adults should welcome her in. They didn't do that. They left her out there and othered her. Heavily relate to that. And then um, also it's like, they thought she was like this, thick, skanky thing in the marsh. And it's actually, that's how this one town knew her. Mm. But then the big city, no spoilers, saw us something else. And she actually ended up having a prestigious job that we didn't know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like how, so it was also that thing going, well, one person could see this way. 
Yeah. But these people that don't know you can see you another way. Yeah. They're, and, they're willing to get to know another side of you. And also it comes fully back to Charmed, which we started off the show with, which is you always know what your inner secrets and your inner feelings are and you have to keep them from the rest of the world, mm-hmm. maybe. But you know what that is deep down. Don't let them define you. Yeah. You have to do it yourself. Oh my God. I know. I'm oh actually surprisingly deep. From where this started with the full fat coat. No, but it's interesting. What I love about you, Stephen, is that you're right. You're not, it's not surprisingly deep, but that thing of um, a lot of the stuff you've bought, you know, all those sort of structured reality shows, we have got a real problem in this country, especially America, not so much, of dismissing stuff that's seen as uh, pop culture and disposable and doesn't really say anything, doesn't really make a statement. It's like, well, no, if it's popular and successful, by definition, it's doing something. Yeah. Um, Stephen Bailey, uh, huge fan. Thank you so much for coming and doing Thanks more Maple. Thanks for having Toast. me. You can have your... Sorry, it's not more interesting. What are you talking about? It was fascinating. I loved every second of it. Um, we know so much more about you. Know, we know about your radiator boxes. Yeah. We know about, you know, uh, books that you like to read. Lauren Conrad, Kathy Griffin. Yeah, exactly. We know about the Kathy Griffin. That was really helpful. Um, my, your phone is covered in my cold. I'm going to go and antifact that. What is it called? Disinfect it. Antibac, mate. Um, thank you for coming on My Mate Bought Toaster. Everyone can uh, follow you at once, please, Stephen. How can we find you on social media? Instagram, probably, babe. There at you go. Stephen Comedy. At Stephen Comedy. Uh, Stephen Bailey, thank you for coming on My Mate Bought Toaster. Thanks for having me. Go That was great. Oh, another wonderful episode. Could you hear I had a cold? Did you spot that? Well done. Sods about the sniffling, guys. Absolutely gross. Thank you so much to Gramercy Park Studios who hosted us uh, for this recording. If you are recording podcasts and you're looking for an excellent space in the centre of London town, I cannot recommend these guys enough. Gramercy Park Studios. Uh, they're on Great Pulteney Street. Really, really great studios. Top, top guys. Everything sounded lush. And the tea was to die for thank you team and of course thank you to the fabulous Stephen Bailey for being such a great guest there's extra bits that have been cut out of this episode that you can get at patreon.com or is it patreon I don't know Uh, patreon.com slash toasterpod you can join for as little as three pounds a month support the podcast ad free episodes extra content bonus bits blah de blah de blah you know how it works Uh, so if you want to get into that feel free to I mean I say free it's like I say three pounds a month Uh, Next week, I've got the wonderful Amanda Owen, a.k.a. the Yorkshire Shepherdess. Uh, You may have uh, seen her on Channel 5. She's absolutely ace. Uh, She's going to be joining me and fessing all via her Amazon purchase history. Until then, take care. All the best. Kind regards. Thanks for coming. Patreon, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash toasterpod. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 